arts are an important part of the Irish spirit. Great music is easy to find in the pubs and concert halls of the Emerald Isle. American-born Kieran O'Hare is one of the performers you might happen to see on stage playing the Irish bagpipe, flute, or tin whistle. Kieran earned an honors degree in modern Irish history from the prestigious Trinity College in Dublin, and he's become a fixture in the traditional music of Ireland on both sides of the Atlantic. Kieran, how'd you first get interested in the music of Ireland? We grew up in an Irish-American house here, and my brother Sean and I started playing tin whistles when we were very young. My dad always had LPs of Irish music around the house growing up, so it just became natural to play around the house, and um, that uh, interest in music took me to the other instruments that I play and ultimately led me to move to Ireland for several years, actually. So you studied at Trinity College. I did, it's actually. quite an impressive college, I would think. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It was, uh, I say to people, it was a bit like being in Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating place to be and very, very rich life. And within a 10-minute walk, all sorts of pubs with live folk music every night. It must have really stoked your interest in traditional music. Well, I actually paid a lot of my way through college by playing in those very pubs, you know. Is that right? I did. Now, when we think about traditional Irish folk music, this is traditional, but it's also modern. How is it in Ireland that traditional music is, is so in the forefront? Well, the short answer is that it never died. It's not an act of recreation or reconstruction to play Irish music or sing Irish songs. It's a tradition that has continued. Um, mm -hmm. It's continued in Ireland, and it's continued wherever people from Ireland have moved. Now, the instrumentation for me is interesting. Of course, you've got a singer, a fiddle, guitar, the drums, accordion, and you're into the wind instruments, the bagpipes, the wooden flute, and the tin whistle. That's right. Tell us about the board you're on, which is uh, relating to the bagpipes. Well, the instrument that I play is called the illin pipes, and illin is a funny word. It's an Irish word for elbow, and spelled U-I-L-L-E-A-N-N, -L -L -E and it is uh, the most complex form of bagpipe in the world developed pretty much in the 18th century, but is still played today. And there's an organization that was founded in 1968. There was fear the instrument would die out, so some people got together to preserve it and spread it and uh, protect the tradition. And you're on the board. I am indeed, yeah. And just uh, 2018 was the 50th anniversary of the establishment of this organization. That's and, absolutely right. And um, how's it doing? It was like an endangered species. Absolutely. Is it coming back? There were just a few old men that played or made the instrument at one point, and now there are children in countries all over the world and uh, interest in the instrument. There are more pipers playing today than there have been at any point in history. Now, to me, a bagpipe is sort of a bag full of air that you fill up by blowing into it, and then you squeeze it, and that blows on the reeds instead of your own breath blowing on the reeds directly, and then you play a little... Uh, stick like a flute, and it's powered like a, a pipes through in a pipe organ or something like that. That's a very simplistic look at it. How is an illin pipe different from the typical bagpipe we would see in Scotland, for instance? Well, the Scottish pipes are of a family called mouth-blown pipes, where you inflate that reservoir of air with your mouth. The mm -hmm. Irish pipes are in a different family of instruments called the bellows-blown pipes. So we sit down to play, and we fill the bag with a bellows that's strapped around our waist. Oh, so you don't have that straw in your mouth to fill it up? Like no, a, not like at an all. Irish, like a Scottish bagpiper. Right, and that, that bag serves as a reservoir for air for the seven different reeded pipes that make up the instrument. It's a double reed like an oboe? Well, the chanter upon which the melody is played is double reed. There's uh -huh. three more pipes called regulators with keys for chords that have double reeds, and then three drones that sound a continuous note, and those have single reeds. Now, as a musician and as a, an Irish piper, how are you thankful for the technology in an 
Irish bagpipe that lets you do more things than in a Scottish bagpipe. Well, because you're using air from the room rather than air that's been pumped with your lungs, the instrument can be made very, very quiet. So it's basically not much louder than a fiddle. So that makes an indoor instrument that can be played without the strident sounds that we often associate with the Scottish pipes. Strident. That's a nice way to put it. Strident. Yeah, it is a nice I way mean, to a, put it. I mean, a Scottish bagpipe would be better on the battlefield when you want to scare your enemies. Of the Scottish pipes, uh, Oscar Wilde once remarked, thank God there is no smell. <laughs> That's very good, because I can imagine if you're on the battlefield and you hear that, you're going to run in terror. And if you had to smell it, too, I think you'd probably throw <laughs> your weapons up in the air at the same time. So when you're in Ireland and you're playing the Illin pipes, first of all, the chanter. Tell us about that. What's its range? The chanter has a two-octave range, which is also pretty unique among bagpipes. The Scottish pipes have a range of only nine notes. So the Illin pipes are relatively chromatic. I mean, reluctantly chromatic over two octaves. And then when you want to play with musicality, you've got grace notes, you've got staccato, tremolo, vibrato. Can you do those things and a set of bagpipes? Well, it's all done, those techniques that you're talking about are done either with the fingers or by in changing the pressure on the bag or by lifting the chanter up and down from the knee upon which it's placed. The whole package basically comes together to an instrument that is claimed to have a sound closer to that of the human voice than almost any other. At least that's one of the bits of credit we like to give ourselves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Kieran O'Hare. We're talking about Irish traditional music, folk music, and specifically the wind-powered instruments in that ensemble. Now, when you get a session in an Irish pub, let's say you're just taking a walk into the right neighborhood in Galway, and you've got a bunch of friends getting together, it's pretty casual. They don't know for sure who's going to show up. You'll generally have a fiddle. You'll have a, you'll have a guitar. You'll have a singer. You'll probably have somebody playing the drums. What's the Irish drums called? Oh, the, the Irish drum is called a bowron. Bowron, yeah. Right. And that just comes together. And for me, that's nice and complete. But here comes a guy with some illin pipes. What do the rest of the musicians think? They're either thrilled or terrorized, uh, depending on the quality of the piper, I suppose. Uh, the Ellen pipes are a notoriously difficult instrument to play, and uh, it's a double-edged sword in a right. lot of ways, you know. Now, there's other wind instruments, uh, most famous, the tin whistle. Absolutely. And uh, you've got a tin whistle here. Can you just um, give me an education in, in the Irish tin whistle? Well, you know, there have been um, what we call end-blown flutes in Ireland for millennia. So we find these things at different uh, prehistoric sites around the country. But it's basically a six-hold instrument. looks very much like a very simple recorder. And the prehistoric ones would be made out of uh, bone? Bone, exactly. Yeah, bone or eagle wood. bone flutes were That's a big right. deal in biblical times. That's and right. Why is tin an advantage over, over bone or wood? Well, there was a company in, in England, actually, in the 19th century called the Clark's Penny Whistle and Pea Shooter Company that uh, started making these cheap instruments. Penny Whistle and, and Pea Shooter. I could imagine it being one and the same. <laughs> yeah, if you close all the holes, it's pretty good for a pea shooter. <laughs> Uh, but those started to be, you know, they're very cheap, and they were a prototype for an instrument that basically traveled around the world. Yeah. It was very simple, very cheap flute. So I'm used to hearing very cheap penny whistles. I mean, I guess that's why they call them a penny whistle. Right. Pretty crummy, tinny sound and played by a pretty crummy, tinny kid right. when it comes to music. You're a professional tin whistle player. Show right. Us, show us what the, what the whistle sounds like. Oh, sure, absolutely. Here's a tune uh, that comes from a great whistle player from uh, Doolin in County Clare, a man called Michael Russell. So 
So there's a lot of grace notes. There's a lot of uh, vibrato. Uh, is that actually written into the music, or is that what a musician will will give as his personal um, take on that particular tune? Well, the, that's a great question. The music is first and foremost an oral tradition, and it, it, though it is written down, it's not transmitted that way. So okay. when you use these different techniques, you're reflecting different styles of different regions and players around the country. Demonstrate something else that you can do with the tin whistle that makes you like the tin whistle as a musician. Well, as a very cheap and inexpensive instrument, it's capable of all the expression um, that is inherent in the art form that is Irish traditional music. So for slower tunes, it's very expressive. And you had that it sort of slides into it. Are there semitones? Is it, or is it just like, you know, on a, on a regular scale, we have F, F sharp, G, G sharp. Is it that simple for uh, a flutist? Um, we actually make use of, because the holes on these instruments are open rather than covered with a key like a modern flute, mm-hmm. we can slide our finger to, you know, gradually slide from one note to the next. And it's one of the ways of putting expression into slow music, for example, which is a reflection of the style of singing in Irish. So, so well. you're, the music, when you hear the, the lyrics, it's just so heartfelt. I love nothing more than a lament where you're in a big noisy pub and all of a sudden there's a silence and a singer, usually a woman, sings a lament, a cappella. You could do the same with a flute, with a penny whistle, Absolutely. with a tin whistle. You could be sitting in a pub. You could be sitting on a bluff thinking about some battle or some struggle or some heartfelt story from Ireland's past. Let's hear the, the Irish tin whistle doing that job. Great. Well, there's a, this would be a very, very old melody called The Dark Slender Boy, and it's either a love song about this dark slender boy that the singer yearns for in the lyric, or it's an allegory about the evils of drink. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Kieran O'Hare. We're learning about Irish traditional folk music, specifically the Illin pipes, that would be the Irish bagpipes, and the tin whistle. Kieran, what's the range of this tin whistle you're holding? Again, it's two octaves, just like the Illin pipes. Just like the Illin pipes. That's right. All right. And uh, when I was a kid, I learned the recorder because that was the easiest thing to play in fourth grade, you know, and I suppose schools all over the world have these wooden flutes, similar in technique to a tin whistle, but much more simple, I guess. But there was always happy jigs. Is there a happy jig on your tin whistle? Oh, sure, absolutely. Jigs are one of the great indigenous art forms of Irish music. Make me want to get up and dance. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking with Kieran O'Hare, and I suppose your tin whistle gets a little extra workout on St. Patrick's Day. Oh. If you're in a pub with a lot of good friends and they said, Kieran, it's time to celebrate St. Patty's Day. Get out that whistle. What would you play? Uh, probably a reel, the favorite type of tune of traditional musicians everywhere.
Happy St. Patrick's Day. And the same to you. Thanks. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.